Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Um, this particular podcast episode was inspired by some of the things that have, you know, happened in our recent terms. It appears that the president of the United States will sign the $1.9 trillion rescue plan. Um, at the recording of this, or right around the recording of this, uh, we in March 9th, and uh, it should be signed on the 10th. And what some of this conversation in this podcast is inspired by a conversation between Nick Hanoyer, I'm very happy I'm saying that last name, and an economist, Austin Goldsby, who was the chairman of the Economic Council for a long time, and also an economics professor at, in um, Chicago. So, and he was involved in the 2009 you know, financial global crisis. Part of the reason why I wanted to be able to listen to all the views of this is because sometimes when something happens within the government, we um, we tend to see stories or we tend to get parts of it. So, for instance, one of the biggest pushback towards this bill was, what about inflation? What about inflation? And then an economist, a renowned and well-respected economist, wrote an op-ed, Larry Summers, and he talked about some of the worries of inflation. And then what happened was politicians on the Republican side took that, run with it, made sound bites on news channels, and also, you know, try to make inflation look like it was a problem. And, you know, this is something that I, I, I tend to see. So in a previous presidency, we ran a budget deficit by pretty much creating a two trillion tax cut for corporations. Why did we not do 500 billion and not run a budget deficit? Or why did we not do 1 trillion? We did 2 trillion, right? And this is, you know, as long as the bill stands, that 2 trillion over, you know, a span of time, 10, 20, 30 years could be 10 trillion, 15 trillion, right? If there was no reform to the tax cuts. So in those particular situations, there wasn't a worry by the Republican side of the equation about budget shortfalls and budget deficits and the long-term implication on the economy but also the the um, cost of borrowing which indirectly impacts the economy so for instance let's say the bank has an x amount in treasury so the bank has gone to buy government debt if you if we don't have as much debt or if we don't borrow as much at the rate in which we're borrowing then the bank can have some of that money free into the american economy and there is like a way of Looking at this and breaking it down, that could be complicated. But for me, one of my struggles with economics and economists is we've taken very, you know, different concepts of economics that, you know, it seems like most of what the economic presentation on the surface, you, you can simplify, right? You know, don't spend more than you make. You know, you want your income to grow, you know, at least over the rate of inflation. And you want your investments to at least double the rate of inflation. In the long run, you'll be fine. Etc. Etc. And there, you know, all the things that could be put simplified, and then in the long run, you know, we have people going to school, get an economics degree, PhDs, etc. Etc. That have a way of making that sound very, um, sound other parts of the economics sound very complex, and I think it's really right in the middle. You know, economics by itself, even at, at the micro scale, does not need to be overly complex. But that is not to say that it's necessarily simple, right? You know, you have the you know, price and inflation graph, and then you draw it up, you have unemployment and, you know, full employment, you draw it up, and then you have supply and demand, you draw it up, and then, you know, the more you pitch in factors into those graphs, if you're all taking the econo one or econo two or, you know, and economics beyond that, you know, when you start putting the factors that affect those graphs, you, you know, you can see how price is affected, unemployment is affected, you know, 
equilibrium is where we all want to be, but we'll never get to. Um, so, <laughs> so when, when I saw the, the inflation hawks, as I would call them, um, began to talk about, you know, inflation, oh, national debt. And there's like, you know, the, there's a little bit of hypocrisy that I see in that level of thinking because it's not applied evenly and it's not applied across different administrations. So whenever someone comes out and say, let's worry about inflation and they have been quiet about it under a different administration, then you have to question that. This is not to say that inflation cannot be a problem. It in fact can be a problem, but it's one of the things where you're willing to lose $2 trillion in in revenue and you're willing to, you know, like what business is willing to lose revenue at the same time increase spending? We all know that's a bad business move, but that's what we did in the Trump tax cuts. And there is a case to be made for tax cuts and deregulation for business. But I think the previous episode of how that deregulation also means no workers' rights, also means gutting retirements, also means um, paying lower taxes, also taking the burden of the debt and putting on the average person as the 1% or some would quantify that, have different means and mechanisms to not pay the right amount of taxes. Also, you know, it becomes a um, flawed system, deregulation on its own, but it can have good to where you don't want to create too much burdens for businesses. However, let's get back on topic to the 1.9 trillion rescue plan. Um, some of the data or the counter data that comes out to Larry Summers concern and others is that if this was to create an inflationary pleasure, um, pressure, like an inflationary pressure on the economy, then it would be at the most some grab that that data would be about 1%. We know inflation grows 3% year after year. We know we've been trying to fight inflation or the Fed promised to get inflation to 2% and keep it there for a while. But they said that about, what, 14 years ago, and they still haven't done it. So over a span of two years, if inflation was to grow by 1% based off this 1.9 trillion, and in truth, that is not actually a problem because we are growing inflation by 3% anyways. And given that this 1.9 trillion rescue plan is not something that um, continues on. So there's something called the, uh, the, uh, the GDP multiply effect. And it's been said that, you know, you don't want that to move too far in one direction or too far in the other direction. And that on its own has too much consequences to inflation. However, what we are seeing here is a situation where the this particular bill at least as it's designed is designed to help small businesses stay open and if they're able to stay open and do well they can expand so this is preventing you know economic collapse indirectly this is preventing so if you think about it if a teacher was to lose a job or a police officer or a fireman or other government officials were to lose their jobs based off a lack of stimulus then you have a problem where demand goes down so in, in the long run Long story short, you, 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 you actually hurt the economy. However, if this stimulus is appropriated as is designed, it could help prevent some of that budget shortfalls from the state. It could also help prevent foreclosure. So, and for the multiply effect, this, this is not just automatically increasing spending. Like, basically, this is not pumping more money into the economy as it is presented by some on the other side of the political spectrum. In fact, what this is doing is saying, oh, you that have not been able to pay your rent for a month or two, or you that are on the line of not being able to pay your rent. And yes, some people have kept their jobs, but they've made less. Some people have kept their jobs, but they've um, taken less in income. So some people, for the price sake, don't even want to do an employment. <laughs> there are no such people, but um, you don't make as much money. So 
when the government comes in and say we're going to add you know a thousand dollars into your pocket or two thousand dollars or you could get or you could write a student loan as 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 your tax credit or you could get some money to pay your rent that that really just that doesn't create the type of multiplying effect that would have heavy impact on inflation so that particular view view of inflation by some on the other side of the political spectrum seems to be more hawkish and more of a political spin because those people were not concerned about inflation on the previous administration in fact they unanimously voted for those rescue packages so it, it is sad that we have a situation where there is a bill proposed to help the american people and it's it actually is designed to not really you know create too much inflation put some incentives in there to actually help correct some of the wrongs in our economic system and in the way in which we help people so for instance the the, the rescue plan passed in 2020 of about two trillion that had all republican support set aside 500 billion dollars for corporations <sighs> excuse me and we could talk about how that's good and it helped kept jobs it helped kept them expanding but we could also talk about how those components that can take advantage of that system would end up creating the monopoly effect in the long run that a smaller business that have access to those that have a billion will go out of business and the bigger businesses with some accounts and engineering <laughs> can definitely um, stay in business still cut their staff so they will cut costs and then they will take money they call it their, their operating um, profits or, or profit generated from operating expenses or well, operating expenses would not be in, in profits but they could, so overall they could they could count that money with some i believe accounting engineering to where the balance sheet would look pretty good and in the long run they could pretty much just buy out smaller companies so i'm not the biggest fan of having money going towards businesses unless it's specifically designed to um help the people that work for them because it is taxpayers dollars however long story short we did not sound the alarm on how that might cause inflation like that wasn't what the republican speech was about and i hate that this is partisan because in the long run this bill does do a lot of good for the people and now we have where it's going hundreds of billions going to make sure the vaccines get out to all the public and all people regardless of you know race religion ethnicity nationality whatever you're american you're going to get a um vaccine that's your economic status or whatever you have insurance you know right so it's going to help states and localities have money keep their people employed it's going to help i mean as part of this bill that was earmarked by um something pushed by cory booker where five billion dollars went to um black farmers or the minority farmers and something about that was like interesting and then i went to go ahead and looked into that in in you know let's go back in history here in 1924 14 percent of farming was done by blacks or minorities but that would put them in blacks at that time and today only two percent in the i forgot what book i was reading but it, it 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 is documented that the rare time when the department of agriculture and even in, in other government agencies in fact loans stopped going out to black farmers um both banks were playing this game and so was the department of agriculture and other government agencies and that's why they went from 14 percent in 1924 think about that this is like in you know this is when this is pre-civil rights era this is pre-rights blacks could vote or i have to look at that date it's 1924 19 64 but nevertheless in the last almost um a century black farmers have gone down and a lot of that have been tied to discrimination so in this bill you know yeah making something like that to help correct some of the wrongs in history was just like amazing and 
this is how we do get to better America. This is how we look at what have we done, you know, right in the past. What have we done wrong? How did we get to where we are today? What can we do going forward? And I believe that a bill like this really did a lot of good. The way in which the bill is targeted did a lot of good. In one more point on inflation, if 1.9 trillion was just going towards like the multiplier and just basically flood into the economy, maybe we could make a case for a little bit of inflation. But this money is spread out over years. Some of this is done through a rebate program that actually does. I mean, this bill itself, when someone comes out and cries about inflation and this bill, um, this one point nine trillion rescue plan led by the Biden administration, it's just it just doesn't make sense. And, and it's it's actually terrible that it doesn't have bipartisan support in the manner in which it should have. Whereas a two trillion dollar bill passed less than a year ago with five hundred billion set aside for corporations had unanimous Republican support or almost like 97 says what if what it's in so this isn't the worry of inflation the worry of budget deficit this it's not genuine and if you have the democrats saying okay we need help we're going through an economic uh, um, uh, economic down downtown due to the pandemic and we are going to come in and we're going to join republicans on this helping the people however you know a year later the white house is led by a democrat you have republicans saying we're just not going to support this you know, this this is not how we get to a better society. But I wanted to address the inflation problem because the moment I started reading and hearing about it, I was like, oh man, here we go again. The inflation hawks. And it just so happened that I um, stumbled across a conversation with an economist and a venture capitalist talking about this. And they were on my side of the belief. Um, so I figured, why not listen, take some notes and, you know, dig more into it. So this is good. And something um, Austin Goldsby highlight was that we have tools to fight inflation if it goes in that route. However, we're not very good at fighting deflation if that was to ever happen. So I think it's good if we have bipartisan support, but something this bill did, you know, what it was done for the black family industry, what it would do for the um, rebates for parents having, um, for parents with kids and what it would do for childhood poverty is actually very amazing and although that's only gonna last for a year or two so this could be a political fight in 2022 when elections are up or when um, people are running for re-election people are getting new seats but i think the democrats by virtue of this bill really set a tempo for an america moving forward we actually want the world country to not have a pretty much a program written in law to help pretty much fight child poverty and have a system and by providing this this uh this checks to help with you know, childhood poverty that was put into this bill, I think we've, we've really opened a conversation to moving forward as an industrious nation. See, some of the prosperities that come from being as capitalistic as we are, as adventuring of a society as we are, both economically, socially, and uh, globally, we've also had, had a way of, through, you know, lobbying or chronic capitalism or just bad politics and policy, but also influenced by, you know, big companies, corporations, and other factors, I think, limited our growth. Um, there's no reason why everyone, if you work for a business for at least a year, at an average of a minimum of 45 hours a week, should not get mandatory one month severance pay. Or if you work there for two years, mandatory two months. For every year you work there, you get an extra month of severance pay, right? So I know now I'm going off the deep ends of other things that I think we should be doing better. But I am saying that for all those countries that have those things set up, it is part of the capitalism. It is part. That's not socialism. It's part of the. It's part of the, the prosperous nature of a forward-thinking society. 
and we have somehow negated ourselves from doing that due to you know lobbying our fault, but also due to neglect on our end of not taking those things into effect. So this is a good bill. I would say the inflation hawks about this have been disingenuous. And if we did not get bipartisan support for this, what can we do to get bipartisan support for all the things that the nation needs? Infrastructure, immigration reform, um, definitely healthcare reform, um, labor, minimum wage. So it's interesting to see where our society will be going forward. But hey, you don't want to put me in the millennial category. You want to, you know, old out here paying taxes and doing all the or how to work, but also starting a podcast, right? It's also a new age, so we could do multiple things. But um, let's see where this goes. But I would say do not worry about the inflation based on this particular coronavirus relief because it's, it's ill-founded at best. Thank you for listening.